The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast. I am Dave Jackson. I am joined by Patrick Mahan. Hello, everybody. And Tyler Mullins. Hey. Uh, this week's episode is the episode Cooper's Dreams. Mm. So, was it Was it plural? Cooper's Dreams. Yes, it's plural. What all have I been wrong about in my life? Uh, a lot of singular things, I would imagine. <laughs> so, Man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start out right by saying that uh, I just noticed that... Uh, Eric Daré is the first credit in every episode. What? Yeah. But it also says featuring like, Joan Chen as Josie Packard. Like, Jocelyn. yo. Jocelyn. Or, Jocelyn. Or, yeah, as Jocelyn Packard. Jocelyn. Like, Jocelyn. like, check this out. Look who we got for Jocelyn Packard. But is she somebody already? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know where they got I don't know. I think she might have been, and I could very well be wrong, but I think she might have been famous elsewhere. Joan Chen <laughs> uh, definitely had a Chinese film career uh, prior to Twin Peaks. Her first uh, Hollywood movie was Taipan, filmed on location in China. You know, she was the director of Autumn in New York, starring Richard Gere and Winona Ryder in the year 2000. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Joan, Joan Chen is an actress, director, screenwriter, and producer, a.k.a. a jack-of-all-trades, a one-eyed jack of all trades. I feel like you trades. read that. I think you did a report on her in middle school. <laughs> I did. I did. I did a middle school report on Joan Chen. <laughs> Are you it going through an expandable I... file multicolor notebook right now from your report on Joan Chen? It was, yeah, I am. I am. It was from, <laughs> it was from when in middle school I had seen her movie, The Night Stalker. From 1987. How'd you enjoy 1987 not being born? (laughs) Yeah, uh, I found the VHS at Blockbuster. Where I worked at the time. No, as a one-year-old. Not in middle school. You weren't working in middle school. (laughs) But years later, you did. Where I went back to check out all the other... I went back to check out all the other films um, in her uh, career. Uh, Judge Dredd. She had a role in Judge Dredd. Really? Um, that, yeah. <laughs> well, hold on. Okay, so <laughs> was it the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd or the reboot like ten years later? This, this is yeah. This is the nineteen ninety five. No, Sylvester Stallone Judge, Judge Dredd. Joan Chen. Why? All right, she's a star. Yeah, you're right. She is nope. a star. Hey, she got she got alongside with Sly. That's right. There you go. So let's start on the episode. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm. <laughs> I thought we were just doing a, <laughs> an episode dedicated nope, nope, to the career nope, of Joan nope. Chen. Ironically, Cooper's dreams opens with Cooper not sleeping because there's a gang of Icelandic men singing loudly on his floor. Yeah, they're keeping him from dreaming. Mm-hmm. And he's he's on the recorder to Diane, Tyler. 
Dan, Diane. <laughs> yeah. Diane. Who the hell is Diane? It's a really good question, Tyler. I hope one day we find out for your sake. We won't. I'm prepared to never find that out. Well, you definitely have to keep watching. <laughs> or Go ahead and brace know. yourself to never find out who Diane is. Or brace yourself to maybe find out who she is. It could go either way. Pew! So... <laughs> So Cooper's on the recorder and he's talking to Diane and expresses that he has lost almost 100% of control of his environment. I just thought that was really right. interesting lines. Like It is. Maybe he's at about 97% control of everything that goes on around him. Not quite 100. I just like that. Uh, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, I've been here. I've been in a place where you just cannot sleep because of what's going on around you. Right. And it's awful. So I feel for this man in this scene. Yeah, it's tough. Um doesn't he say that he wants Diane to overnight him his earplugs? Yeah, ear pillows? Is yeah. that what he describes him as? So I'm just assuming that he is also overnighting these tapes to her. Because, right. Because, yeah. Because that, that's the only way got, to fly. Yeah. FBI is hooking him up with great postage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, he has funding, and we find that out. Oh, we I, do. <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. We find, yeah. I don't, I, is it this yeah. episode? No. Nope. No, it's next episode. Ahead. <laughs> but yeah, my man's has cash to spend. Is what yes. I'm saying. So he goes, uh, he goes down to get a, his morning cup of coffee. The waitress by now knows him and knows that that's what he does. And I'm, I'm watching with subtitles on because I watch a lot of this on the job. And she says to him, "Here's hoping the I think hearing holds out, but the captions read the herring holds out, like the fish, and that wouldn't make sense." What? Yeah. It says, here's hoping the herring holds out in the captions. Now, okay, what kind of fish was in the percolator? A, a, a fish. Trout? It doesn't say. Was it? It could have been a trout. Maybe it was a herring. I don't know. But also, what would that have to do with... It's It's for the deep fan. I tell you, it's a, it's a, this is all a red herring. <laughs> Super producer Tyler Mullins, is Iceland known for its herring intake? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What, what what happened, Patrick? What happened? You just were like laughing and then you went... Could be lag. Um, Iceland, uh, the first thing that comes up on Google, Icelandic herring had a tough winter. Uh, but there's still herring ice cream. Uh, <laughs> oh my, is that what... Okay. <laughs> is is that what Ben and Jerry are eating later in the episode? They're is it eating herring Icelandic ice cream? herring ice cream because yeah. i took note that they were eating ice cream but i wondered why it was so prominently featured like why would you just be eating ice cream hey there's even a herring museum uh, in iceland maybe they're saying maybe they said Great. herring maybe she said maybe hope the herring holds out i think i think you're right i think that's correct based on all of the results that are coming up about based on the prominence Icelandic of herring in iceland herring. yeah what is hmm. this show <laughs> it's the greatest show that ever existed Regardless, again, Audrey shows up to talk to Coop during breakfast. He tries to brush her off, saying he only has time for coffee. The boy didn't sleep good. He didn't sleep well. He's a he little on not. edge. Yeah, he's a little on edge. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this was the first time he was kind of rude to anybody. Yeah, it's the first time we've right. seen him like this. It's the first time I've seen him riled up, period. Well, not, not riled up, because he got riled up with right. uh, Albert and his behavior and a little bit with Gordon right. over the phone. But this is the first time I've seen him a little bit rude to somebody who he's typically warm to. Right. 
he just now asks Audrey her age. Right. And we were talking. We were just talking about this in one of the last episodes. If we actually knew her exact age, but uh, right. we only determined she's in high school. So, but he is just uh, now asking her age after their interaction from the last episode. Right. And when she says eighteen, <laughs> the look on his face kind of changes to green light. Oh yeah. <laughs> like you don't say. Yeah. Still might want to see your birth certificate just in case. Yeah, you, you might want to. I mean, she's a little sneaky. Check in with the bureau. Yeah, she's not super credible. Check in with the bureau. Check with Audrey to to lie. <laughs> so maybe Cooper has found love, but Jerry Horn has definitely found love. Yes, with a giant Icelandic woman. What's her name? Hippa. Hippa. <laughs> she gave him a leg like. of lamb. Yes. I know. What a, and it was poorly wrapped. What a leg of lamb it was. Uh, the most baffling thing whole, in this episode bit of was that, that Ben turned it down right away. I was like, this is Yeah, he like shoves it away. Yeah, I was like, do you not remember the loaf he brought you? Yeah, these are brothers. These are brothers that eat huge food. What's the negative here? <laughs> huge food. <laughs> it's my new band name. Ladies and gentlemen, are, now, are you ready for are huge food? We are now, you're now listening to Huge Food, a Twin Peaks podcast. Can Jacobian Magic open for huge food? Oh my God, please. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, so after he brings in the leg of lamb, Ben and Jerry talk about the people from Iceland being way into their new uh, Ghostwood Estates project and apparently that's that's the deal they were trying to get the norwegians to sign on and so they're really into it and really unsubtly uh ben horn is like maybe we should take him for a trip down to uh you know where puts one hand over his eye eye, (laughs) he's going over to nadine yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) like let's pretend like taking your investors to one-eyed jacks isn't the plan a every time what's the secret to this (laughs) That's how, how much everyone dislikes Twin Peaks. It's like there's nothing to entice yeah. anybody in this town and except lust and murder. <laughs> this town's founders founded it on lust and murder. There are statues Absolutely. erected it's on in this honor. The, it's on the town flag. Twin Peaks, <laughs> lust and murder, <laughs> just flapping in the wind. <laughs> What happens? Yes. What happens in a large Great. Town. But okay, so while they're talking about this uh this Icelander investment plan, Leland rolls up like he rolled out of bed into a sweater and then walked to the Great Northern. It's like, "What? I heard there was a new deal going down. I I thought I should be here." Leland Brother. just needs a distraction. Like um, he's my least favorite person. Yeah. <laughs> He's Leland, a mess, um, dude. Like, brush your hair before you try to make a business proposition. You're not well, my guy. Yeah, he is, he's a complete, at this uh, point, he's a complete mess. We haven't. We also haven't not. seen Sarah Palmer for a while, so I assume she's doing okay. I have to assume she's not. Oh, I thought they wrote her off the show. <laughs> like, Harriet is written off for sure, but Sarah still lurks in the background. Oh, I'm still patiently waiting the return of Harriet. <laughs> Who was Harriet? That was uh, uh, Donna's, Donna's sister. sister. From the, from the oh, pilot. Yeah. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to give it to you straight. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Don has another sister too. See that window over there? <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, okay, Leland's so, not well. He's not. And I don't know. Now I'm like wondering how good of a business person he actually ever was because we see him about five seconds before 
he finds out Laura mm. died. And so I just assumed that he was like some amazing business well, yeah, person. We get no insight at all to the kind of business relationship he had with the horns pre Laura's murder. Right. Apparently it was close enough that Ben ended up being his representative at the morgue, but you never right. get to see that side of his life. We only see him as a broken man in the entire True. series. Like, uh, yeah, Tyler, it doesn't get better. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you now. I hate you. I mean, can we assume that they I'm were, <laughs> the, can we assume that they were good friends and maybe he took a few trips up to one eyed Jack's with him? Nade, up to well, Nadine's house. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think that Leland ever was a uh, what do you call it? a patron of One Eyed Jacks just because I don't we don't know a lot about the character but I don't see that being in his behavior being in his person I don't I I, I just yeah. don't see him being the kind of guy that needs that no it was like Ben and Jerry a couple of gross horn dogs they thrive in that environment but I just, I just feel like that's not <laughs> I wish they had like shirts that said. Horn dogs on it, like H O R N E, like yeah, <laughs> horn dogs, <laughs> the horn dogs. I mean, let's be real. It's there's there's the bookhouse boys the and there's dogs. the horn dogs. It's Letterman style jackets. Let's be real. If it's anything, yeah. it's not t shirts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> they high five, put on the horn dog jackets, and they take a boat across the river <laughs> while Laura Palmer's theme plays. <laughs> Always, it always. So it's plays. the only thing. It's the only song in the in the show. I was thinking about it earlier. Like it, it's played. They so do much. a lot with that one song, just like based on how how much volume it has, mm. or which which parts of it they decide to like just start blaring yeah, well, it. And right. yeah, as as a composition, <laughs> it has like three different movements, and they're all very different. Right. But they but they have the same motif. But they use it constantly. It's those three pieces. <laughs> Unless it's odd, it's on a loop throughout each. Episode. Unless we're it's in the red the room, most used music. Yeah, unless we're in the red room, or unless Audrey is dancing awkwardly dancing. by herself. <laughs> That's the only soundtrack throughout the series. This is what I was saying in the very first episode, where I was saying there are only a couple of parts where maybe the music is appropriate, other than yeah. it is just yeah. Laura Palmer's theme. Nope. <laughs> See, next is a it's a Jacques apartment. Yes. Yeah. So we have a uh, we have Coop, Harry, and uh, are Hawk and Andy both there as well? Yes, uh, I don't know about Andy, but Hawk for sure is. I think Andy maybe is not because he's Andy is there because they ask for right, yeah, and he brings him a coffee and a donut. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Coop. Well, Harry, Harry's like Andy. Can you get some? <laughs> yeah, it gives him like the donut symbol. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, and the, the universal sign for okay. The universal sign for donuts in Twin Peaks now means donut. <laughs> From now on, if I ever do that in my life, I want people to assume it means I need a donut and a coffee. Yeah. And this is when Perfect. we find out uh this is when we find out that it's uh Jacques blood on Leo's shirt. A B negative. That's right. A B negative verified by the doc. Doc Hayward. After Cooper had already made the statement. Which I don't remember how he would have already just assumed and known. Yeah, that. he also just knows to look in the ceiling from right where he's standing. Right. So, and then he gets it with some tweezers, but then he puts his hands yeah. all over it. Well, and like, wait a way to ruin the evidence. Before he does that, he takes a bite of donut, takes a sip of coffee, goes, mm, hands it right back to Andy. <laughs> I'm good. That's all I needed. Uh, yeah, his best that was life. it. Uh, proceeds to the, get a boost the from his dream. The policeman's dream proceeds to get a boost from Harry to pop open a ceiling tile and find yet another copy of Flesh World that has another picture of Leo's truck in it. <laughs> yeah. This is a different issue. 
Buy truckers, Ford truckers. <laughs> Buy truckers, Ford truckers. Fit <laughs> fit. By the way, this has, and I, I don't remember the exact moment when it happens, and it's it's really quick, but it's one of two of my favorite like juxtaposition shots where they all come into frame. Mm-hmm. Both hap- both of them happen in this episode. So you see like Coop, Harry, and then Hawk, and you see all their faces from the side. Yeah, and it's just so cool. Um, I didn't realize that both times though it happened in the same episode because later Doc Hayward I think is the last one, um, mm-hmm. like when they're in the woods or when they get to the cabin. Uh, they're just some cool shots that I don't know. They just they stand out to me. I I um, kind of picked up on that too, and it feels like almost an order of prominence in the episode, like who's arc is most at the forefront the way they're yep. lined up and positioned yeah it is that's pretty a, cool that's a, that's a cool way to look at it too yeah that's kind of how i saw it i i also looked at it that way <laughs> you sheep <laughs> so they have tied the ads that were in flesh world contacting ronette pulaski to a p.o box and they get the mail for the letters that were going to that ad and one is from a yes dude in pink lingerie spread eagle on a bed with a giant beard I thought it was blue it was I'm, blue is it blue right you're colorblind I because he, yeah, he's wow. a boy I'm mad colorblind sorry yeah. <laughs> yeah it was blue it was like a light yes. it was like a baby blue alright right So can we retake that so I don't look yes. like a colorblind dummy yeah no no alright that's in no that's in that's in and and yes. here he goes he's no Georgia Peach and Hawk's like, the beard kind of takes away from the lingerie, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, man. It was good. It was, like, it was a good many, so random. Really was How a many guys movie. wrote in that were this weird? This ad Because they've got to be Twin Peaks locals. Yeah. Because we established that this is a local thread. People write in articles and they get published in this magazine. That's why Leo Johnson's truck is in there in two different issues. <laughs> Maybe they just don't have a lot of writing. I think they don't this. because this is... <laughs> One of the few pieces of mail that came to this ad <laughs> was this dude in lingerie with a giant beard, like looking very uh, Buffalo Bill at the camera. Yes. But somebody else took that picture. He didn't set a camera up. Somebody is standing above the bed holding that camera, snapping that shot. Are we sure that's not maybe Dunk Jangle, the dancer from the Twin Peaks High School? Can we go back and confirm? Yeah, let's go back real quick. No, it's not him. All right, no, that wasn't him. Confirmed. Right, we looked sure? and uh, we can verify that. I'm not sure. Look again. Let's take another quick look. You no. know, it, it could be. Could You're be. right. Nah. You are right. Because nah. I, I would say something about beard growth, but, you know, time in Twin Peaks. That could have yes. sprouted. Does quite a number on the follicle. Maybe it's Dunk's younger brother. Dank. <laughs> Dank jungle. I'm no mule. I'm no mule. <laughs> Let's go back to the Johnson household where Bobby is spending a lot of time with Shelly. Yes. They have showered together. She's making him breakfast. <sighs> Sinners. They are living in sin. Uh, Leo is nowhere to be found. We don't know where he's gone or when he's coming back. When was the last time we saw him? Last time we saw Leo was... It was in the previous episode, I think, because he like... Was he driving back to I don't Butte? remember. Butte? He wasn't driving to Butte. <laughs> Was it? Uh, a, I think the last time we saw him was when he met Ben Horn in the woods. Yes, yes. Yeah. So Bob, Bobby's over there. Yes. She's made him breakfast, and they have showered together. Uh, clearly not worried about when Leo's going to get back. And they start to kind of play with the gun. And yeah, 
It was weird. Yeah, and Shelly's saying, like, what would you do if he came in right now? And Bobby's... He kept, like, I kept waiting. No joke, I kept thinking the gun was going to go off while he kept pointing <laughs> it at her. Like, I thought that was going to be yeah, a thing. Yeah, that was going to be a plot point. Like, he just shoots her playing with the gun. And then in, like, the next episode, it's completely healed for whatever reason. Uh, you're not know. completely wrong thinking that that can happen. <laughs> Bobby is acting like he's talking to Leo as he's would be coming in as he's holding the gun. Shelly says, you don't like her cooking, but how about you make us breakfast, you hump? <laughs> and I'm going to use that every day for the rest of my life. You hump. <laughs> you hump. It's a great insult. It is. It really cuts deep. I wouldn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> the way you're responding yeah, like, right now. And then he would just keep going. This is just making, all the stuff that he's saying is just making Shelly fall more in love with him. Yeah, but I love how Bobby is really tough in private because as soon as there's a knock on the door, he's scrambling for somewhere to hide. Yeah. Like, oh. I relate a lot to Bobby in that way. <laughs> I live my life like a cockroach with the light switch flipped on. Nope. 100%. Ready to scurry. <laughs> yeah, at a moment's notice. Just, I'm like a cowardly minute man. Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, it's just the sheriff's deputy. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just law enforcement. Don't worry. It's just my drug smuggling murder suspects. Don't worry. It's just the local law enforcement. But then it's just Andy. It's, it is just Andy. Who when I wrote down Andy is a master detective. <laughs> because he just Hey uh hey Shelly, is is Leo here? No. Yeah. Okay. Great. Does job. not see Bobby, who is clearly in an adjacent window staring, staring. at him yeah. through a glass pane. Full I mean, face. Come on. Like that was the quickest conversation ever between between Andy and Shelly. She's acting the way she is. I've seen it pretty often that police are like, if everything's okay, just do this. Like, if you need help, blink your, your eyes. And they might Lick say your lips. no while they blink and act like they're leaving, but come back with backup. He doesn't do any of these things. He just takes it at face value and strolls away. Andy, Andy's a great cop. No, he's a master detective. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's in my notes. Andy, Andy is a very good cop. He's also a too trusting of a person yes and i think that's the fatal flaw in andy's character it's a shame because he's a really lovable dude but uh leo does end up calling like as bobby's making out with shelly the phone rings yeah and he yeah. picks oh, you it answer up. this you answer this like it's nobody important <laughs> yeah make me rock hard <laughs> answer it like it's your mom talk to so my first walk through Ema. my first walk uh my first watch of this episode i remember thinking was leo somewhere nearby watching because he calls and specifically asks if anyone was looking for him immediately right. after someone was looking for him so i had that thought that he uh was maybe around but at the same time back then there's no cell phone so unless you just <laughs> unless there's this pay phone right up the block <laughs> i don't know how you i don't know how he would call her but i did have that thought because i was like oh this is really convenient there is a pay phone we do find out there is a pay it's phone true. In town. it's true it's true it's true i realize it's convenient for the scene but still a little too convenient i also like the uh, assumption that leo's always popping bennies when he's on the road you know how you get when you've been popping bennies after a few days <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't even know that he's on the road. He just said that he was leaving the house last and that she didn't need to know where he was going. He could have been going to somebody else's house for a couple days. He may not even be on the road. We don't know that. Thinking we didn't, there's a scene we didn't see. Thought we didn't notice, but we did. Well, I guess we're the detectives. 
Hell yeah. Is it uh, right after this when Big Ed meets up with Norma? Will Big Ed and Norma ever be happy? I hope so. Never gonna like, happen. I, I ship these two so hard. They just, they've got to figure it out. Something's got to give. It's not going to happen. I also Tyler, they love each other. that she was the one driving that big logging truck into the station. I, I thought that was her because it showed it pulling in. <laughs> right. And then it showed her walking up to him. <laughs> Maybe. There's nothing to say it wasn't. But uh, yeah, it's just he's just at work. Right. And she just kind of yeah. is shows up there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's paying him a visit. They're, uh, they, they pretty much determined that. It just their timing is terrible. Yeah, that Nadine is not well. well. Yeah, it, it's a good yeah. time. It's a good time for her to come see Big Ed because Nadine's off at the patent office, <laughs> trying to get those silent drape runners patented off the ground. She's already spending the millions. <laughs> this is the one. I can't even this handle is the one, her. Guys. Hanks, I cannot handle and her. Hank's coming home, so yeah. There's, so there's that. Yeah. It's a whole mess. No uh, the fact that Hank's getting out of jail and Nadine's not well. These two just can't seem to hurt other people to make themselves happy. So you better not yeah. call her for a while. And you know why? I, I'll tell you why I ship them so much. Because these are the only really human people on this show. Yep. Like, they don't do anything crazy weird. Norma's pretty normal. Big Ed's pretty normal. Adultery is pretty weird. <laughs> Adultery Actually, is kind of weird. Uh, fun, Twin Peaks fun fact, that's her uh, full name is Normal Jennings. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Big Ed is actually large regular. <laughs> yeah, large regular. <laughs> we have to shorten that up, though, because that's a mouthful. <laughs> yes. Large regular. And it's... Guys, is it adultery? Because they don't do anything. They just meet up and talk. Oh, I, I always assumed there was off-camera action happening. Off-camera physical off-camera action. Well, how would Big Ed have the time between caring after his very present nephew, James, and his very needy and involved wife? Who doesn't Nadine? even know who James is. She only has one eye. As long as he stays on her left side, he can do whatever <laughs> he wants. Absolutely. You get it. <laughs> Out of sight, out of crime. Oh, that's pretty good. What? What? Copyright. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad I was here for that. You heard it here first. I'm going to watch this show to the end. I'm not missing any more of those killer lines. (laughs) So my next note. (laughs) (laughs) Please. Skips ahead. So I'll wait. I really want to know what Tyler's next note is. She's out there wandering like a restless spirit. Okay, that does jump ahead. <laughs> well, we will come back to that because that is important. Yeah, where's Mike? Where are we? <laughs> we are in the Horn Department Store, I don't know, interview office? Oh, Mr. Mr. Battis's. We're, we're with Emory Battis <laughs> as he Not interviews to be Audrey confused Horn. with badass. Badass Emory Battis. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> You know that was his high school nickname. <laughs> his oh, his yeah. na- high school nickname was Badass, not Badass. <laughs> when he was the front lineman for the Twin Peaks Whatevers, his name was Badass Emery what do you Bath. Think their mascot is? The Furs. Like Douglas Oh, furs. gotcha. I think you mean like Depends how the you furries. Go. Like that kind of furs. No, like the Twin Peaks furs. <laughs> it's the Twin Peaks steeplejacks. Is it really? Yeah. Did you look that up? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Twin Peaks steeplejacks? Yes, which replaced, the lum- which replaced the Twin Peaks lumberjacks as early as 1969. This is all... This is fan fiction. I'm going to go in there and add this, the furs. This, <laughs> this 
from 2019 like onward, they were known as okay. the Furs. It looks as if this is con- confirmed from um, the Firewalk with Me movie. What is a steeplejack? I assume I it's know. some of this might have also been in. So in between Firewalk, well, this came out right before uh, the return. Mark Frost wrote a book called The Secret History of Twin Peaks, um, which we all it's must read for all of us before we watch the return but there's a lot of this kind of stuff in there so what when you read it you'll see that there's a picture of the 1968 steeplejacks weird in the secret history of twin peaks um fun fact about it because this isn't spoiling anything super on the show um in fact i mean this is the first time i'm reading about it is uh in the picture of the team you'll see that uh number 74 uh Halfback Tommy the Hawk Hill, also number ten quarterback Harry S. Truman, and number sixty Ed Big Ed Hurley. They were all on the Steeplejacks. Oh, back row uh, halfback uh, Hank Jennings, also a Jim Jacoby, but not Lawrence. Right, they were all on the football team together. We need to get jerseys. <laughs> if we don't have jerseys by season two, I might quit the show. We're gonna have I a think... whole a whole new line for season two. Well, I'm mostly just based on this episode. <laughs> I'm mostly interested in number 82, Samuel Defenderfer, in quotes, Bebopalua, she's my baby. What? What? All right. What was the context for that one more time? Who was this? (laughs) I can't. All right, let's let's push on. <laughs> yeah, let, let's continue. Yeah, sorry. Um, oh so my god! Badass Emery Badass is in his office interviewing Audrey Horn. Yeah, he was come to apply he was for a, a job. He was a steeplejack. And we're derailed. <laughs> so it, it happens remotely too. Good to know. Nope. <laughs> Oh. All right, sorry. You can continue to the next scene of badass, badass, badass. Emery Badass is interviewing Audrey Horn at the Horn Department Store interview office. I guess what do you, what do you call this? Just the just office. his office. And uh, it it starts off innocently enough, him just interviewing her like normal uh, until she gets really pouty, baby, about having to work the gift wrapping counter, and then uh, just escalates to sexual blackmail. She gets extra horny. H-O-R-N-E-Y. Got it. In a very threatening manner. Yeah. Audrey scares me. Audrey is terrifying. I think she's great. She's one of my favorite characters. (laughs) Is she one of your favorites now? I remember you weren't sure. I wasn't. But she's she's probably in the top two. Who's your number one, Tyler? It could be her. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. All right. Because you said she could be in the top two. Yeah. I'm just curious of who the other character is. Maybe it's Hawk. Maybe it's Andy. Oh. Oh. Maybe it's Waldo. Okay, now we're done. Uh, one of the more uncomfortable parts of the scene for me was when she made Emery call her Miss Horn by the end of their conversation. Yeah. yeah. After she was like, I'm going to rip my dress and say that you sexually assaulted me unless you let me work the perfume counter. I was like, do we understand each other? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes, what? As she <laughs> yes, adjusts his tie. <laughs> yeah. Shall we start on the paperwork? It's like, you're a She's diabolical. bitch. She's diabolical. Which is great. Man. Audrey's in charge. What? Okay, so next, Tyler, is your favorite scene of this episode. Um, <laughs> so Donna comes to meet James at a gazebo because she got another note. You're not secret anymore. Just call her. Who did you give a note to? Where did you Personally, leave a note for her to come meet you? I don't like talking on the phone. 
People used to leave notes all the time. I honestly hate talking on the phone a lot. So I would I would leave you a note before before the, I called you. You would leave I would wait the extra day to not have to talk on the phone. Tyler, you want to talk about James here? I don't. This is this is where I finally was like I I'm just done. Not even with the character, but the actor. Like I'm just done with James. I don't get him. He's got no depth. I, I, whatever. She would get a couple bottles and shack up. Get a couple of guys to come over. <laughs> you could solve the rest yourself. You do the math. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't you, know. That's right. She would sell liquor to men out of a hotel room. And, that's and she all never that got caught, neither. All joking aside, we find out that James's mother was a drunken whore, and his dad just kind of left. Yeah, and that's all he we didn't really, really get die. Out of that scene. He left when I was ten. Remember how I said my dad died? Well, he didn't die. He took off. I'm not sorry. I changed my mind. I also like okay, and this is gonna be another Arrested Development thing, but. They're talking to each other, and they look each other in the eyes like, we knew Lara better than anyone did. They didn't. Clearly. Like, straight up. They they knew nothing. It's true. We're the only ones that loved her. We knew her better than anybody. No. no. I even found found out that freaking... Oh, this might... I don't know. I don't remember which episode it is. But, like, uh, Bobby knew her, like, way better. Yeah. Like, I was not uh, yeah, this, planning on that happening. This episode, yeah, we do Bobby find that out. Yeah. Bobby didn't kill her. You did. Right. Everybody did. Yeah. <laughs> you all did. Is it? Is it right after that that they uh, go to the uh, diner and meet Maddie? I think so. They, they invite her. She probably got a note. Yeah. Right, because this is the first time she's meeting Well, Connor, in this right? scene, actually, yes. the... What bothered me sort of about that, though, was that, you know how when, when James first meets Maddie, he's like, oh, wow. She, like, you can tell in his face I look face a lot like Lara, don't she I? She looks like Lara. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Donna doesn't have that reaction. No. Though. Right. But she at she would have met her at some point, probably. You would think. In the past. Even, maybe, yeah. Um, But this scene was interesting because... Well, she still introduces herself to her, I think, when she sits down at the table. And she says, like, I'm, I, I'm Madeline. My friends call me uh, Matt. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So this is their first time meeting. They get together. Maddie's stoked to get a cherry Coke. She didn't even drink it. She okay, didn't. She's, I'm not mad at her. Yeah, she's not she that stoked. Cause she, yeah, she didn't touch it at all. I, and, uh, I thought that was going to be maybe a plot point or something because they do a zoom into the cherry coke but it's really only just a pan over to hank and yeah. behind him mm-hmm. who's listening who at, at the beginning of the scene but there was there was a real like there was this real slow pan though on that coke or like it freezes on the coke for a second mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm just like she didn't even drink it <laughs> she didn't take one sip not a sip how, how rude that's true uh tell you you're um, just how at the beginning of this scene hank is at the jukebox but it's it makes no like call to the fact that he's there. It's just kind of real quick. Uh, yeah, and I saw yeah. him, and I was like, "Is that Hank, yeah. or is that just some guy that looks like him in the background?" Right, because yeah. he like quickly mm-hmm. leaves as soon as the scene starts when they walk in the door. Uh, right, and then of course, 
I figured it out like while they were sitting there talking that he's sitting behind them. I was like, well, this can't be very good. I also don't know. He, like he's <laughs> been in jail. I don't know why he has a like a dog in this fight or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But apparently he does. We slowly learn where his dog is in this yes. fight. And it's it's a big dog. It is a great Dane. So it, it pans over to Hank, who is in the seat behind them, and he gets Norma's attention as she comes around. And he is just very transparently, grossly fake to her. Yeah. He's like, can I uh, finish my coffee, boss? God, what a loser. With, with this puppy eyes and slow tilt freaking just go suck on your domino and he uh, will <laughs> don't worry he will one one other thing about this scene that i thought i like i literally paused it and died laughing and it's nothing that's in the direction or script or anything like that it's just what i felt like it looked like was when they asked maddie if she wanted to help and she was like yes and then james and donna look at each other like somebody just offered them their child because they've been trying to adopt for so many years. <laughs> yeah, yes, they're, it's exactly that. They're way into yeah. it. It was, you need to go back and watch it because it's one of like the most satisfying like, she's in. Like Just like, the way her face lights up when she has the prospect of or a cherry coke <laughs> is exactly the look they had on their faces when she agreed to be a yep. part of it. She also, again, states... She feels like she knew Laura. She says, I didn't know her very well, but I feel like I did. I think it is Laura. And because the episode is called Cooper's Dreams, I've made highlights right. of everything it, that was a call to the previous to dream. his dream, yeah, where he says, or where Laura says, I feel like I know her. Where where the dream Laura said that, yeah. Did you, did you catch that, I, though? I don't think so. So it's like, it's just, it's another thing that where, yes, the scene f- from the Red Room was so bizarre, but yet there were clues sprinkled throughout it that have been popping up it really is this very abstract tapestry of everything that you need to know to solve the crime but right it's not like it was a bunch of a bunch of things said yeah it's not (laughs) it's not just super weird nonsense like it really is all connected but the ways that it is all connected is a drip reveal cooper's been very good to to even if he's just he most of the time he's whispering it to himself yes but he's done it several times where he says he'll say like like the sometimes my arm's been back he said Mm -hmm. that yes there was another one in one of these episodes that he said a line to himself um i don't remember when though um it's later it's it's later yeah okay yeah but that does come up uh i will also want to point out that uh right after hank has his interaction with norma and drinks his coffee uh, it cuts to a scene from Invitation to Love, the soap opera within oh, the show. Oh man! Yes. I, where this is the, this is the best scene of Invitation to Love so far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very into this show, and I even wrote down the invitation. Invitation to Love is the show I'm dying to see more than Twin Peaks. <laughs> and that's fair, but uh, no, it's the uh, it's the shot of the character Montana, who's just like really tall like wears a bandana and a leather jacket and so we have seen chet before in the credits and in another scene from invitation to love and that's who he's kind of shaken down but he calls him dexter before he starts beating him up (laughs) like dexter you little worm it starts beating him up his name's chet (laughs) 
<laughs> he's a soap actor. So you think this? Because so did far, they get it wrong? Well, so far, or? you know. Well, no. So you know, so, so many of the invitations to love are parallels to what's going on. Yeah, yeah. In Twin Peaks, but better. So is there? Is this another like someone has a different name? Maybe I don't know. I something to ponder on. I I honestly I thought about that and I looked at it and I I did not put together any potential cryptic connections to the rest of the show right now okay so uh the next thing we see is dr jacoby with all of the briggs family and family counseling and i have noted that he's pretty degaff about anything the parents have to say yeah he has zero interest situation helping he's just kicked he's kicked back lounging bobby's half asleep on the couch garland briggs why would you not want to know more about major garland briggs though (laughs) Why wouldn't you delve deeper Nobody, into this not even Dr. Jacoby, of a man. could penetrate the psyche of Major Briggs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could listen. I could listen to that man speak all day. His behavior is becoming more and more erratic. I'll talk to Bobby first. Well, okay then. <laughs> I like that he's just like kicks back, rocking back and forth. Like, you doing drugs, Bobby? You getting into fights, Bobby? Are you mad? The routine stuff. But it's after the parents leave that things get interesting. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> I kept thinking when Will Ferrell tries to lead the Dundies and he does his banter. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, after the parents leave, Jacoby starts to question Bobby a little bit about his relationship with Laura in an extremely personal and unprofessional way. Oh, well, I like that Bobby doesn't question him either about how he knew it. He's just like, man, you're a really good doctor. Yeah. Uh, it, well, well, he never compliments him, but he definitely submits. Right, right. He submits to it. Yeah. Jacoby leans in, just like, Bobby, what happened the first time you and Laura made love? Mm. What? Did you cry, Bobby? <laughs> like, did she laugh at you, Bobby? Yeah, it was. And then he's just under a spell. He's like, yeah, okay, yeah, ask me whatever, because you got yeah. it. You nailed it, Doc. Let's Which do seems this. Let's get deep. weird for him to give in to anything. He unlocks him right away. It's it's really a shame that none of the cops asked Bobby about his sex life, because they could have gotten a lot of useful information. I can't picture Andy asking him about this. <laughs> Bobby, what happened the first time you and Laura were intimate? Bobby, did you cry? Bobby, did she laugh at you? Did you feel so dumb? It's pretty good. It's pretty good, Andy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> this is where we found out that Laura wanted to die. Laura wanted to die, and Laura got Bobby to sell drugs so that she could have drugs. It seems weird. So we find that out. I like, uh, I like the next shot where we have the whole uh, investigative gang in the woods. And they start to raid the wrong cabin. Because all they have to go off of is the fact that from their investigation of Jacquino's apartment, they found some photographs in the cabinets that related to a cabin in the woods. They found some documents about buying a lot of uh, heating oil, probably to heat a log cabin. So all they do is pack a lunch and go to check the woods for log cabins. And, And they find one and like... Yo, this is the spot. It's a cabin in the woods. Looks like a log to me. Guns up. So that's what it was. So yeah. when he saw the picture in the ad is when he saw the red drapes. And that's what he says to himself because he's thinking of the dream. Yes, red drapes. He says red drapes. It's like that's how he knows what they're looking for. And in the Flesh World ad, they had another picture that was, to him, it looked like Laura with red drapes behind her. They assume that this is the lodge where Laura was being kept. So that's what they're looking for. Um, What picture... 
did they i thought the picture they were looking at so they all go out into the woods and they find a cabin that they assume has to be the one they're looking for so they get ready to bust in and raid it but uh they're wrong oh this one actually wrong. belongs to the log lady who has a name this is a, is her her name yes. margaret Mar- yep, Mar- margaret lanterman margaret lanterman margaret lanterman, lanterman. But it's it's her cabin, and she invites them in for tea. I have there's too many log lady quotes. She says so many weird things. She does all. I like how uh, <laughs> just real quick when they all come inside, she's like, "I have tea and cookies," and you're it might be a few yeah. minutes. What I thought was funny when they first get in there is she mentions that there's tea and cookies, and Cooper's like, "No, thank you, ma'am. We only have." And Hawk kind of puts his hands up and stops him. He's like, "What kind of cookies?" <laughs> is it like hold no no hold on we got time. <laughs> so what I got out of this scene was she was married her husband died like real soon like after they got married yeah like a day like a day yeah like a yeah. The next day yeah um and so now I, I couldn't tell if like they were saying his spirit went into the log and that's why she's able to understand right. it or yeah. if she's just able to read the spirits of logs as i guess hawk was saying um yeah right like from the woods just like she could essentially going deep into it like cut down a tree and be able to like see what all that has gone on around that tree or something like that like she could read the ring yeah kind of maybe i i, I kind spirits. of gathered that same idea that it was her husband's spirit that was in the log that she carried around okay. like if that was her connection that's that's what i pulled from that I, at some point randomly just before they all get seated she says shut your eyes or you'll burst into flames <laughs> <laughs> and harry's just like thanks Margaret." <laughs> Good looking out. And then Coop tries to take a yes. cookie mm-hmm. and quickly gets his hand slapped. Yeah, what does she say? The fish aren't running? Is that what... She like, says, wait for tea. The fish aren't running. Right. Something like that. What? Yeah. <laughs> She's weird. I don't know. But everybody what else knows what she about? means. Or they're just playing along because they've been around her long enough. I guess that's... To understand. I guess that's yeah. true. But it's finally time to ask the log what it saw the night of Laura's murder. Yeah. And so Coop asks the log what it saw. Which is which is what Coop had the opportunity to ask. Yeah, like four we could have skipped ago, four episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still baffled by that. This is information we could have used again. Jeez. But he asks, and I'm guessing Log must have come in hot, just been like, "Oh, dude, listen up," and just started spilling a bunch of stuff because she goes, "Shh, I'll do the talking." <laughs> like Log must have just started popping getting, off. Log like, was getting heated. I've been waiting years. <laughs> <to> log. <laughs> The log was ready to burst into flames. She mentions that they're safe, like the owls can't see them, but the owls were near the night that the log saw what it saw. And there's there was so much information. I didn't get to write it all down. Yeah. But uh, stuff like women screaming, uh, men's voices. And then Coop chimes in. in the distance. But he like, chimed I, in I with a question. I didn't think she was going to answer it. Yeah. And it was a simple question. Yeah. She mentions a scream and he says, boy or girl or man or girl. It's like girl. Yeah. Like so, a a girl screamed in the woods. So there were two women and three men. Uh, she mentions, yeah. So she mentions two women screaming and a total of three men by the time she's done telling the story. So they suss out that it's Ronette Pulaski, Laura Palmer, Leo Johnson, Jock Renault, and an unknown fifth individual. And a, yeah, and a mystery person. Yeah, that's what the log's able to tell them. And I don't think that really gives them much, other than there is somebody else in play. I feel like they had everything else pretty much already figured out. All this really does is say there's somebody you haven't seen that's involved. Yeah. 
they move on to the next cabin in the woods, which is the one they were actually looking for. And uh, we get another Julie Cruz track. This one is Into the Night. We do. It's mm, a good one. Playing on a record player. And uh, Coop takes the needle off the vinyl and says to himself, and there's always music in the air. Yep. Another callback. Another callback to the dream. To his dream. Uh, Pat? A lot of callbacks to the dream in this episode. Yeah. What do they find here, Pat? Oh, they find a lot. Yes. Uh, they find the red drapes, so they know they're in the right place. Yep. They find a bird mm-hmm. named Waldo. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which is another sign that they're in the right place. Um, I forget what exactly happens when they get to the poker chip. While exploring the cabin, they kind of activate a cuckoo clock that spits out the poker chip that has the J missing out of One-Eyed Jacks on the perimeter. So that's Mm -hmm. the dead giveaway that One-Eyed Jacks is a place to check out. So it had kind of been in their minds already, but this was the first, yeah, this was the first hard evidence that this place needs to be investigated. There is also a camera set up in the room, probably to take gross pictures, that still has film in the camera. That I'm pretty sure was, like, destroyed as soon as Hawk just flung it open and exposed <laughs> it to all that light. Yeah, just just whips it open. Had there been any natural light in the room, it probably would have completely <laughs> obliterated whatever evidence was on there. It's still got film in it. Great. And now it's yeah. done. No, we assume it's fine because Hawk takes that with him. Yes. And that seems to be all they really get from that cabin. They establish where it was, that it has red drapes, that the bird they're looking for is there, that this is probably Jacques Renault and Leo Johnson's base of operations, basically. So they take what they need from there. They take the bird, they take the chip, and they take the film. After that, Coop pretty much calls it a night and tries to go back to the Great Northern, where there are still a bunch of Icelandic men singing. <laughs> Yes. Another noisy night for Coop. It's a noisy night for Coop. And uh, it's a noisy night for Ben and Jerry as well, who are in the ballroom hosting the Icelandic investors, uh, just trying to have a good time. Catherine Martell is there. She wants to kind of take Ben aside and have a moment with him. And she kind of confronts him about the one-eyed Jack's chip that she found from their encounter at the hotel. Slaps him. All the while, Audrey has gone back into one of her secret hiding places in the in the hotel. Yeah, she's in another she's in another horn hidey hole. <laughs> yes. Peeping this entire situation, just watching this whole scene play out. Watching her father be unfaithful with another woman who is slapping him over and over again. Are you done? She slaps like four times. Are you quite finished? <laughs> no, she's not. And one to grow so on. Like two more times. We didn't mention it, but there's a real brief shot of Josie Packard smoking somewhere yes. in the hotel. Yeah, just kind of it, with the lights out. It happens out. twice. Yeah. Yeah, with the lights just out. Just kind of sitting in the dark and smoking. Yeah. So, yeah, Catherine Martell kind of confronts Ben Horn and slaps him a whole bunch while Audrey listens in. And it's after their meeting, I guess Leland has either been there or has slipped in, still has not brushed his hair, hasn't changed his clothes. He is probably hasn't brushed geez. his teeth. Probably hasn't brushed his teeth. He doesn't have Quip. He doesn't know what's going on. Quip, if you want to put us in for a sponsored segment, talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com, hit us up. Maybe we'll get some free toothbrushes. I don't know how this works. That's right. Also, Nike... Hmm. Adidas, anybody, just do it. Tyler needs a new pair of shoes. I'm just going to throw this out there. It's Nerf or nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm on board. I like that and one. And I, like, I feel like people forget. Oh, yeah. And they think it's something else and it's something, but that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> so we know how this is going to end. We have a crowd of people. We have music and we have Leland Palmer. Oh, gosh. Yep. This can only end in tears. Or a hit new dance move. 
The Leland. <laughs> Everyone's craving the Leland. So only Leland starts to do the Leland. And he's he's a slave to the beat. My mans can't handle it. It was a very like Hulk hey. moment. Like he was just standing there <laughs> and then he was fine. But then the music started playing and he was like <laughs> And then just started dancing and crying. It was it was a very... He starts dancing by himself and inevitably starts begging other people to dance with him. It's super uncomfortable. Ben Horn throws <laughs> Catherine Martell at him. <laughs> says, this is serious. Dance, dance with, with him. him. Yes. And she does. Makes the Leland happen. Everybody kind of gets into it. Yeah. Pete Martell is somewhere. We haven't mentioned Pete. I loved when Pete <laughs> showed up with Catherine and he was like, lay off the sauce. <laughs> Immediately chugs a glass of champagne. <laughs> Take it easy on the sauce tonight, Kathy. Hmm? But then later we see him, like, with a big pint of, like, milk. (laughs) Sauce milk. Classic Pete. Oh, man. Yeah, I love that Leland's having a mental breakdown, like, putting his hands against his head and just not knowing what to do with his hands, and Catherine tries to make it into a dance move on the floor. And then you cut to HIPAA, and she's like, she's She's doing the same thing. thing. She loves it. <laughs> but it is it's bad though. <laughs> oh, and he just keeps breaking down and it kind of kills the mood, I guess. Yeah, it does. It's okay to say that. <laughs> Maddie Super Spy is back at uh the Palmer household. Sneaks downstairs and uses the phone to let Donna and James know that she remembered a spot where Laura used to hide her cigarettes, has investigated it and found a tape. Bring your tape recorder. Press Another play. <laughs> yeah, so she tells them about the tape. It cuts to Laura's prom picture again, which is not broken. There's a slow zoom or on covered that. in blood. Uh, then we cut to Josie Packard again, and here comes Benjamin Horn, who is hatching a side plot with her. This man has his finger in all of the pies. So many side plots. <laughs> Tyler's face when I said that. <laughs> well, he does. He does. He's involved in every pie, single side pie, plot. Custard pie. You know, Josie was communicating with Benjamin Horn about the double ledgers and the whole sawmill situation. So his plan is to get it burned down with uh, Catherine inside to get her out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Right after this, we do see Leo stomping out or uh, Hank stomping out Leo Johnson. Yeah. Mm. I told you to watch the store, Leo, not open your own franchise. <laughs> oh, man. But I do I do like this because I like to see Leo just get whooped for a minute. Yeah. By Hank. By Hank, who is now a scary dude. Like, he, yeah. he already seemed a little, like, conniving. But yeah. he knows who Leo's love interest is. He knows who his associates are. And he is threatening all of them if he doesn't get what he wants out of Leo. He's the guy running the show, and he's the main problem. And this isn't even the worst thing that happens to Leo tonight. No, it's not. Because he goes back home beaten and battered from his Hank encounter to Shelly, who is not having any of his guff. But she's also, and, like, playing concerned and trying to figure out what, you know, like, oh, what happened? Are you okay? Right, well, well, because the last that she knew, she didn't know where Leo was, so she and Bobby had kind of hatched this plan together yeah. to get him framed. So she's still trying to lay low as far as who's to blame. Right. So when he comes home, she tries to play innocent. But when he immediately gets aggressive, 
she draws the gun on yeah. him. He pushes her down into the floor. And then, like anybody does when they have a gun drawn Close on them, he makes more threats <laughs> and starts to come after her. So, of course, she shoots him. Yeah. Oh, man. And he. I, I wrote down that Shelly yeah. is a sharpshooter and should be like a sniper, an elite sniper for the military because, <laughs> you know, she shoots him with her eyes closed and throws down the gun and like freaks out yeah. and covers her face. Whatever. I just kind of trust. Well, she's just freaking trust out that it lands you, and throws it. She's freaking out because the lights are going on and off, and Leo is screaming. <laughs> yeah, they, they're flickering, and he's screaming, and she's crying. <laughs> I think I missed the lights flickering. I think I was too. Yeah, I yeah, think I was yeah, too yeah, yeah. into start, the moment. It's very similar to the lights flickering when they were with Laura's body, um, back in the yeah. pilot. All right, so Leo's been shot. Leo's been shot. It's the end of Leo. Leo's I'm very shot. excited. Leo's dead. He is <laughs> been shot by Shelly. The world-class sharpshooter Shelly. She is finally rid us of Leo, and I'm so glad. And we are one step closer to the end of Twin Peaks. One man down, many more to go. It's only over when everybody's let's have a, let's dead. Have a mo- yeah, let's have a moment of silence for Leo Johnson. So uh, after a very long day of investigation and wandering in the woods and going to the wrong cabins, Cooper finally comes to his home away from home at the Great Northern and finds his door ajar. So like any good government agent, draws his gun, nudges the door open, blasts in, demands that whoever's in there identify themselves and turn the lights on. They do. No, yeah, Audrey is naked in Cooper's bed and all she says is, please don't make me leave. And that's all we get out of this episode. I was not satisfied with that ending. I wanted... I wanted no, to that- end on Leo's death, and then the next episode is going to start with his funeral, and then Bobby's going to have another outburst, and it's going to be awesome. But no. Well, that is the end of the episode. <laughs> it is. In general, I think that this episode is important to start to really set things in motion, to tie up some of the loose ends, to uh, bring some of these more mysterious plot points to a head, and kind of show us where this is going to go without so much mystery and more just how is this going to collide in the end? Because it's not a lot of cryptic messages, not a lot of confusion, uh, except from the log lady stuff, which what she said seemed to be dismissible at best. Yeah. But we have the mystery of Hank unveiled. We know who the heavy hitters are in the drug scheme. Uh, We know where the crimes took place that were involved with Lara's murder. And we have... A possible witness in Waldo, who is a mimicking bird, who may or may not have seen something, and it's it's all kind of coming together. And while the action may not be paced very quickly, I think that this episode is important to uh, build that anticipation of what is about to happen next, because we don't have but two more episodes in this season. <sighs> so we're 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 getting to it. Crazy, I know the the checkered lines in view. It is. I'm going to drag Leo's dead body across it. It's going to be great. Patrick, what are your overarching feelings on this episode? Um, it's really good. There's a lot. There's just a lot that happened, um, especially with us just recapping it. I mean, they really, it seems like this one, they really started moving forward to, you know, what's about to go down and how they're going to, well, they're clearly not wrapping things up. Um, but getting to the season one finale is, you know, obviously the goalpost. Um, I guess you could say it's, realization time just about almost a tyler i think this is my favorite episode so far really wow i really do 
Um, a lot happened. I feel like it was a very, very full episode. Do you have like a favorite moment from it, or what? Was there no. anything that just sort of was like, man? You, I just you think just it like... was really like it was so full of information. I I never felt like there was any like other than James like gazebo moment talking about his mother, which was pretty early on. So not I mean, a lot, not a lot of downtime. Yeah, it it moved pretty quick, and something was always happening that I, of course, having never seen the show, feel like everything I saw was important except for james and the gazebo but his excitement about his new adopted child is very good news <laughs> they made a friend today come on <laughs> that's great it is he's never gonna how buy we her ever replace laura we'll get somebody who looks exactly like her great oh i do okay. need to say that i did feel like they for maddie's character they needed to like i guess they told her to play Play it like Laura, but play it like a little more ditzy. But we don't know Laura as a character, so she could have just like done whatever. See, I kind of feel the opposite. I feel like Maddie has played more of a, maybe a little naive, but not ditzy. Like she doesn't seem dumb. She just seems innocent. I guess. Like she's, she's, she's she kinda, seems clueless well, to me. You can tell that she's trying, well, you can tell from just compared to, you can tell just compared to the tapes of hearing Laura's voice, mm-hmm. you know, from the cassettes that you know she's clearly trying to talk right. differently um mm-hmm. between the two characters even though there are many times you can tell that she is trying to speak differently even kind of different tones i feel like but i kind of i kind of get i mean i agree with both of you <laughs> way to sit on a fence but like i feel like she's doing extra work playing maddie when we never even saw laura as a character right yeah we only ever hear her voice yeah. and we have limited footage of her doing weird dances at a picnic so i really and, worried that like, i'm gonna get to end the end of this season or series or whatever and be like i don't even care i don't even care who killed laura i can't i can't say anything i can't say anything oh, i thought you said i, I can't hear anything <laughs> that no i said i can't say anything i can't comment on any of it because i know what happens in the prequel movie and i know what happens in the return well okay but i love hearing this though it's it's fun to just see the speculation um i love hearing the layers both of your predictions that is a layer it just shows me how much fun this show is to dissect and to watch yeah this show really is a lot of fun please listen please tell your friends about this show yeah yeah please because i feel like not a lot of people even know this is happening so uh we've we have a small established audience and that's awesome we love having those people here but I would, I would love to see more people. Shout out to Frank, you my boy Frank. <laughs> I'd like, I'd love to see more people get involved and ask us questions and let us know what we need to be talking about, things that we've missed. Uh, reach out to us at uh, talkingbackwardspod at gmail We have the voicemail function on Anchor.fm/slash talkingbackwards. Patrick, you can also find us on Twitter at talkingbackward. No G. You can no also S. leave us a voice. <laughs> You can also leave us a voice message over at anchor.fm slash talking backwards. Tyler! I, I don't have any plugs. Ta- you don't have any plugs? No. Plug one thing. Uh, one time. You know who else doesn't have any plugs? Cooper. Still waiting on those earplugs. He'll have them in the next episode. Yeah, Diane is overnighting them. Who the hell is Diane? <laughs> this has been Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast. We will see you next episode for... Realization time. I'm having a blast. I don't know about you guys. Oh, sure. It's a good time. I'm going to take my shirt off.
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll leave it on. But maybe in a little bit. <laughs>